And so we are recording, as I said, as people are still coming into the room. But I'd like to start off tonight. Um, like I said, you know, this this platform has just been um, something of major interest of mine because we have the ability to open up the line of communication to anybody in the fire service. And anybody that's willing to speak has the chance to... Uh, you know, engage and, and have a conversation with somebody they might never have heard before. It could be uh, somebody they look up to, a mentor, somebody that they see their content on social media or reading it in the, uh, in the magazines. And so, you know, it's just a really cool uh, ability and platform to have a conversation, open conversation. So um, where I'd like to go tonight, uh, we're going to start with our two guests that are going to help me moderate tonight. Um, we are going to invite people up later on into this uh, to ask some questions. Uh, but what I'd like to do uh, is really introduce the two gentlemen. Rob's here, of course. Rob is my partner with all of this. And uh, But I'd, I'd really like to introduce our two guests tonight, Chief Rich Thode out of uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut, and uh, Captain Nick Esposito out of Bridgeport, Connecticut as well. Uh, gentlemen, thank you for being here tonight. I appreciate you taking the time out. Uh, thank you, Jeremy. Really appreciate it. Cool. I will say, and I'll preface before we get into the intros, that I have had the uh, the fortune through this platform to meet guys like yourselves. And uh, you guys inspire me every day. And I value your friendship and, and what you guys bring to the table for the fire service uh, every single day. So I thank you for that. And, um, you know, I have had you both on the show. And um, both of your interviews are some of my favorites. And, uh you guys just have so much to share, and I love it. So, uh, Chief Thode, would you mind just doing a brief, maybe a couple-minute introduction about who you are, and uh, and then we'll uh, we'll swing over to Nick. Sure. Uh, Rich Thode, I'm the Chief of Department in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Been there just shy of 34 years. Been the Chief for about five years. Um, before that, small combination department. I've uh, been a volunteer in my hometown of uh, Bethel at Stony Hill um for about 25 years grew up in long island hanging around a long island firehouse and uh yeah it's uh it's been a good ride lieutenant captain assistant it. chief the whole thing so. absolutely and we're going to get into all that because i think it it absolutely encompasses what we're talking about tonight so chief thanks for uh thanks for being here tonight uh nick how about yourself uh, yeah. Uh, again, thanks for having me on, Nick Esposito. I, uh, too, work uh, for the city of Bridgeport, Connecticut Fire Department. I've been there for 22 years. Um, I'm currently a captain assigned to the rescue company. Um, kind of came up through the ranks, engines and trucks and things like that, some time in, in the uh, ancillary positions. So I kind of got my uh, feel for a lot of different areas, which was uh, good uh, for my career and, and my growth, which was um a good opportunity to have. Um, before I got on in Bridgeport, I too worked in a small fire department in uh, Southern New York. Uh, and then before that, I uh, volunteered in a small town just north of New York City, uh, Verplank, New York. Um, and then that kind of set the, the, the seeds there for me uh, growing up there in that department with my father was already a volunteer there and watching all the older guys, uh, you know, go to the calls and things like that and just running around and seeing how it was all done. Um, and just the way they... Uh, interrelated with each other and, and, and respected each other, but also tested each other, I think really taught me uh, some things about, you know, how to carry myself, even though when I was seeing it, I didn't really know it. And, you know, through all that, I really did round out, um, you know, the way that I kind of wanted to see myself as a supervisor and hopefully it's been effective and, and um, it's been a good run thus far. Beautiful. Thank you. Um, 
Good intros. It paints a nice picture. Um, where I'd like to begin with this is really the progression of it all. You know, management in the fire services is a very open-ended conversation uh, because there's so many layers of it, from the command staff to the company officer to the informal uh, management of the senior man and, and keeping the house and all of that. And what I enjoy tonight is both of you have quite the pedigree in the fire service many years in, uh, and you're still both in, in very operational roles. Chief Thode, I still know you roll out when there's fires in the city. It's not an administrative <laughs> position um, because that's, that's the type of firefighter you were. Um, and are and uh, and that should be said and so and I think that that absolutely um, reflects in how you carry and manage um, and and work with your people and so you know let your people work I want to start kind of at the beginning with you guys um, Chief Thode if you wouldn't mind starting you know in the beginning you know when you become a firefighter uh, and you get into the firehouse Bridgeport's a tough city there's a lot of work to be had. I know when you were uh, when you were there uh, back in the day, if you will, uh, you guys were going to a lot of work, and you were in. Uh, I know some of the stories, and I know that you had some mentors and some tough as nail, uh, you know, senior men and officers that really set the tone. But how important is that that influence uh, when you're young and impressionable in the firehouse? How important is that to shape you thirty four years later? Uh it's it's very important. Um, I think that that one of the things that really happened early on in my career was that I, uh, you know, I had been a firefighter before. I I had had a lot of training, a lot of certifications and whatnot. So I I applied a lot of that. But what I didn't have was a lot of life skills in the firehouse. And some of my the earliest mentors that stand out to me were people that taught me less about fire tactics and more about being a man and being an adult. I got hired in Bridgeport when I was 22 and, and being an adult and, and dealing with a lot of different people and a lot of different firehouses and, and fires, you know, those type of scenarios. So as much as we like to talk about the senior man showing us the proper way to hold a Halligan or force a door, and there was plenty of that, what really sticks in my mind early in my career was how to deal with people. And that's, I mean, that sets the stage, right? As a young, impressionable kid, um, you know, it's that influence, right? It's that outside influence that really sets the tone. Nick, what are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I mean, I agree, uh, you know, fully with all that. You know, the other thing, too, is I think people, you know, like the chief was saying, they're expecting, you know, to get uh, taken under the wing of the senior firefighter that's rock'em, sock'em, and they're going to learn all this neat stuff, you know. And the reality is that it's, it's rarely ever that, simple or straightforward. And a lot of times, you know, you have to be strong enough to go through the growing pains and, and really kind of figure out why they're reacting to you the way they do. And, and most of the time, it's not because you're doing anything. It's just everything is a test in the firehouse. And so trying to work through that, you know, a lot of the things that I learned early on in my career, they weren't from, you know, like that, that perfect senior man. A lot of it was just either a watching other people screw up and I'm going to say, Hey man, I'm not going to do that. Or B, you just watch how, you know, other people, even though they may not be the best firemen or, or the, you know, whatever, they might do things that, you know, is a good quality. And you're like, wow, you know, that's that's something I can use down the road. And, and so a lot of the things, you know, you may not be so actively um, taking in. Some of it's kind of passive. But, you know, one day you're going to look back and say, wow, I did learn from, you know, so and so, which may have been an unexpected surprise. 
Yeah, and I, I love that because, you know, not so many people struggle. You know, the, a lot of the conversation is, you know, we don't have senior men in my firehouse anymore. We have a young company. We have a young officer, um, you know, and we're trending younger and younger. And so I, I like where you both went with that. And uh, Chief Thode, thank you for starting with that because, you know, life skills and becoming an adult, being a man, uh, are such important traits that um, really shape you into who you become, right? I mean, it lays that right. Down. Well. And, and and the the other part of that is, you know, it's it's a firehouse. It's 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 not work. You know, you can't you can't get up and leave and go get a sandwich and you know it's the, the guy in the next cubicle is pissing you off and leave. You know, we're we we're all locked in the station for twelve or twenty four hours, and there's no escaping. And and we have to uh, we really have to make sure that we can get along with people. So that was a that was a lesson that I had to learn. It took a long time for me to learn that. <laughs> I, I, you know, I mean, there all the d- different personalities, right, coming to the table. I mean, you have oh, absolutely. You have every every slice of life sitting around that table, uh, going out when that bell goes off, and uh, and sometimes you know, with some of these guys and girls, you don't know who you're going to get, whatever, depending on what day it is, right? So the experience of really learning how to deal with people, I think, is a really big part of uh navigating and and growing up in the firehouse for sure so now let me let me ask you so you know those skills are super important because that paves the groundwork for who you are you know um you 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 grow up through the firehouse as many have um how important is it though mentorship i mean you know you you talked about um you know, having that influence where you're learning how to deal with others and you're, you're learning the, how to navigate the channels. And, and uh, Nick, you said, uh, you know, how important it was to pick things up from different people. Um, but how important is it to have a mentor, per se? Um, well, you know, one thing that I had heard a while ago and I really didn't put much into it because I probably didn't understand it because I wasn't paying attention, but... Um, either I read it somewhere or somebody had said it, you know, you need to get a mentor, but more important, you need to get three. And I didn't really understand what that meant. Yeah, and go so with that. the more it. I read about it and, and kind of poked around, it made great sense. So uh, wherever you are in your career, your station in life, you should have three mentors. And so one of them is the typical one, you know, the, the person you want to emulate the eye on the prize, right? So if you want to be, if you're a firefighter, you want to be a, a fire officer, you seek out that fire officer that you think, uh, you know, has it figured out and, and you like how they do it. And, and so you, you try to model yourself and, and learn from the things that they do. And that's, that's the one that everybody usually um, latches onto. And that's a great one, obviously, because it allows you to kind of model uh, and, and set up a plan uh, for your, your career. One of the other things too, is that regardless of if you're brand new or if you're, you know, in your last year of the career, uh, you should look to the left and to the right. And so, you know, I've been a captain for, you know, really not that long now. And mentorship there is also seeing, am I keeping up? And so what I try to do is look at the folks that got promoted around the time that I did and see if I'm making the grade. And so if they're doing good things or if they're, you know, putting their energies in certain places and I'm not really doing anything, then I'm not really keeping up. And it's not to be competitive or anything like that, but, you know, you owe it to the to the trade and the folks around you to, 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 you know, keep up with it. And so I do that a lot. I look at a lot of the guys, you know, that, that got promoted off of my test and then the next test and I, I see what they're doing and, and, you know, that way we're all working and, and, and moving forward. And then I think one uh, thing that I really kind of picked up the last few years is you got to look back. And so there's a lot of new folks on the job behind me 
And, um, you know, a lot of times we think we have it all figured out, but the reality is that the new folks coming on really have a lot of stuff going for them that I never had. You know, they have access, they understand technology much better. Um, you know, they, they relate in a different way. Um, they grew up in, in environments that probably weren't as diverse as mine or, you know, theirs was more diverse than mine. So they're just used to a lot of different things. And so, you know, we can learn a lot of things, you know, as older folks, just by looking back and, and, and seeing how these younger folks are adapting and working through problems. And sometimes if we don't have the answer, you know, suck it up a little bit and, and ask those younger guys. And I guarantee they're going to jump right in and show you a thing or two and, and then you can grow. So you bring, I mean, that, that's a great point, right? And you talk about looking back at the guys that that uh, that promoted with you and so on to make sure. But how important is it as a company officer, right? We're going to get the chief though in a minute because I can only imagine ascending the ranks, right? I mean, you know, it just gets harder and harder. And so I have to think, um, because I, I know you both subscribe to the methodology that you work for your people. Your people don't work for you. I just, I know that from from my, my years of knowing you guys now. And so, you know, Nick, how important is it for you also to stay in touch with what these new kids have at their fingertips? You talked about it, right? You mentioned it. But, like, that's super important because as a as a company boss, to, to engage your people, you have to be on top of what they know and where they're going. No, absolutely. And also, you know, you kind of want to know where they're getting their information. Yeah. Because a really good source then you can grow and learn yourself but also if they're if they're getting information from places that isn't quite you know right or up to snuff or the way that you do it you want to make sure that you're you're you know tactfully working through that to make sure that they understand uh what's going on and what the expectation is but you know the thing too is as a, as a supervisor you can't you know just throw it against the wall and hope it sticks because you know the the, the folks today will immediately you know find out the right answer you know, 38 seconds after you say the wrong answer and, you know, you're not fooling anybody. So, you know, the best thing is a little bit of humility and a, and a whole lot of inclusiveness. You I know, love that. That will go a long way. Yeah. Chief Thode, uh, man, Sir. from from firefighter to in some of the busier companies in the city, um, I know that you, uh, you saw your fair share of work over the 34 years that you've been in Bridgeport. Um, I have to ask, that transition from firefighter to company boss. Can you talk about that a little bit? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. And, and, and you have to, when I first made Lieutenant, I went to a house that, uh, I was the youngest, obviously, you know, I, I transferred off the rescue and went to an engine company and one of the guys had the same amount of time on the job as I did. We came on together and the two other guys were way older than I am. And, but I think you have to have the mindset right away that you are, you, you can't ease into it. You got to walk in the first day with a lieutenant bars in your collar and a lieutenant shield in your helmet. And it's, you, you have to mentally and physically draw the line and say, okay, now I'm the boss. You can't say, well, hey, fellas, I'm new to this. I'm going to ease into it. You have to go into it right away. Yeah. Talk, I mean, talk about that because like, why? I mean, you know, there's. I I think today we try to find too many people that try to run that friend line. You know, um, it gets and and I've seen it in in a lot of firehouses where it gets very gray and very muddy, and I think that's where a lot of problems begin. No, it it yes, absolutely. And you, be, by saying you're the boss doesn't mean you're being a jerk or being you know a real right. hardliner. It it's just that it's just different you're 
as, as we just had a lieutenant uh, orientation class for some new lieutenants. And one of the things I said is you're the designated adult, you know, so, so you can laugh and you can joke in the kitchen (laughs) and you can talk about all sorts of things, but just like, just like a parent or, or a, a counselor at school or what, you know, whatever, there's laughing and there's joking or there's doing whatever. And then at some point somebody has to say, okay, okay, everybody calm down, but you know, we're, and, and realize we're kind of going too far. And, and that's, that's what the company officer, that's what the boss needs to do um, in the station, on the calls, whatever is to, to, to be part of it. But at the same time, be the one kind of overlooking and saying, all right, all right, that's enough. That's enough. Got it. And, and so, okay. And then, you know, how challenging is that though? I mean, when you, when you come in as a young kid from the busy company, right, you come from the rescue, you go to a engine company. If I remember correctly, chief, I think you went to a slower house. Correct. Yeah. And, and that was kind of a, uh, that was probably a challenge for you as well. No, it, it was, um, People always say, you know, one of the best things you can do as any kind of company officer is the company you're on is the best company in the city. And it had been a while back then since that company had had an injection of somebody that that took that attitude. So they were hungry for it. They didn't know they were hungry for it. But once I got in there and something simple as it had been a long time since somebody had really started putting in for stuff. And I had started putting in immediately as soon as I got there equipment and repairs to the building. And and just through the course of events, things started changing in the firehouse. And, and everyone kind of said, hey, wow, there's there's some new blood here. And they're looking around. And, you know, we got new tools. We got new this. We got new that. Then we started going on calls. And, of course, me being me, I'm like, you know, hey, we'll, we'll take that. Or, hey, we'll go here. Or, you know, doing sneaky ways of getting getting yourself in the mix. And, and it kind of recharged a lot of the older guys' batteries that, you know, they they, they felt like firefighters again. So I love that. that. was, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, that in, that infusion or that injection of uh, youth and, and vigor is uh, can be very exciting because it is contagious. It's 100%. Well, contagious. yeah, it, it doesn't even have to be youth. It just has to be enthusiastic. Yeah, true. Very true, Chief. Absolutely. Nick, how about yourself, brother? Um, your transition. I mean, you know, we're, I'm trying to do the progression here so we can get to the positions that you guys are in today. How was that transition for you going from, uh, you know, a, a backstep firefighter to the company officer? Uh, yeah, so in, in that regard, I think our experiences were somewhat similar. I, I was a firefighter on a rescue. I got promoted, and then I went out to um, an engine out in an outer house. Um and I knew those folks and uh, good people. I had worked with one of them before when I was on an engine company. Uh, but again, they were older than me as well. So I was the new, the new guy, literally and figuratively. Um, and so for me, you know, what I learned is that, you know, and the company that I was going to, you know, may not have had the, the best rap, you know, unfortunately. And, it, and I think what happens is, you know, similar to what the chief was saying is that when, you know, it's kind of stagnant for a while. You just get used to doing things a certain way. So, you know, when I came in there, I tried to, you know, spice it up a little bit and, and be a little more proactive. But, you know, the thing, too, is I, you know, as a new lieutenant, as a younger member of the fire department, every day really was a test, you know, and, and I didn't understand that, you know, sometimes they would, you know, push a little bit, but not because they were trying to be disrespectful or insubordinate, but they just wanted to see how I was going to react. And they wanted to see what I was made of, you know, and, and in the beginning for me, you know, it was a little 
tough trying to, you know, weave through all that and figure it all out. But I think, you know, once we came to a good understanding and, and, you know, you kind of do have to, you know, set the parameters of what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. And, you know, not because you're the boss, but because, you know, this is what is expected by the community and by the department. And we want to go and put a good example out there. So, but I think Nick, to, to use your, your example of what's acceptable and not acceptable, you have to, as a new company officer or a new supervisor, explain that right away because all of us have different thresholds. So you you have to go in and say, you know, this is not bendable, but but this is the hard line and this is the direction we're going. You, right. you, you have to you have to lay that out right away. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, through that you know, you kind of find a rhythm and, and, you know, it's, it's almost like when you're first starting to date somebody, you are just trying to get your feel, um, you know, and then hopefully, you know, you, you build some relationships and that's, what's important. It's not all about being a supervisor and being administrative, you know, you're trying to develop to a degree, you know, work relationships that allow people to, you know, to trust you and, and you want to trust them and you give them a little room and, and hopefully they, you know, give you a little room. And, and as you grow it, it kind of starts to, to work out and you, and you start to hit your stride. No, I like that. So, I mean, I just wrote it down here. I keep notes as we do, you know, conversations like this. And I, I just wrote down, set the expectations but the department has to support that, and the department has to have um, a level of expectation, uh, delivery of services, and um, and kind of the black and white, and then a little bit of the gray is then managed within house. And and um, Chief Thode, so the progression here is you moving up the line from a company officer to a uh, you know through the chief ranks to now the chief of department. Um, you know, how important were your influences through your firefighting days, your, um, your captain days? And then did you have, uh, district chiefs, deputies? What, what is Bridgeport? Uh, the, there's a river that runs up the middle of the city. So there's a, basically an East side chief and a West side chief, two battalions. Um, so that's the highest guys on shift. Yeah. So, so how, you know, navigating all those levels of management to become the, the top, chief of the department um you know you had to see a lot of things along the way and i'm sure there were things that you agreed with i'm sure there were things that you thought uh needed some changing or some uh re- revising if you will um but your experiences how important was that in crafting the department that you wanted to steer uh very important but but i think that the key to it was that you know when i was a lieutenant i kind of established First of all, when I was a firefighter, I was a senior firefighter, and then I was a lieutenant, So, and then eventually company captain, and the whole time my message never changed. Uh, you know, train, company competence, seriousness for business, when it's time to have fun, have fun, but when it's time to work, we work. And so the higher I got so that the more, I hate to say, you know, people under me, but you know what I mean? The, yeah. The more, 100%. the more influence I had, sure. it was okay. Well, he's a company captain. It's the same message he had as a, as a shift Lieutenant, as he had as a senior firefighter. Then eventually my half of the city on my shift when I was a battalion chief. And then, you know, it's, it, I try to do it as a chief of department. It's, it's a much, harder task because it's just so many people. The other, the other issue that I kind of have now is we've had a huge turnover. I've been the chief for five years and I've hired over a third of the department. 
So there's a ton of people that have no idea. They don't remember me as anything but the chief. Right. So, so I've kind of lost that connection with a lot of people that I could talk to lieutenants or captains and say, you know, hey, remember that time we had that job here or remember this or remember that? They don't remember. All they remember me is upstairs, you know, in the white shirt. Sure, sure. Which is, I, which has got to be hard for you, um, you know. In some respects, I can I can only imagine because I know you are a chief that likes to get out and to see their people, you know, see your see the department and, and see the the companies and uh, and walk the fire ground um, and so on. I know that you still have that in you, a hundred percent. I have I have it in me, but COVID has crushed that. But hopefully, hopefully we'll we'll get back to that. Good, good. Nick, how about yourself, brother? I mean, you know, expe- level of expectations, you know, you do it as a company officer, but how about, let's talk about in order to be a good manager, to be a good company officer, whether lieutenant captain up through the command staff, um, you have to have a department that sets forth expect a level of expectation, a delivery of services, and, and for your people have to know uh, what is expected of them. And, and uh, when departments don't have clearly defined roles and, and distinct, um, you know, uh, methodologies in place, uh, that can put the manager or the boss, the company officer or anyone in between in a tough spot. Well, you know, it can. Um, you know, I'll, I'll speak for Bridgeport. And if the chief doesn't agree, uh, he, he should chime in for sure. But, you know, we are not a, uh, an SOP. We are not a rule and reg driven fire department compared to some other ones. Um, I know that there are departments that have less than us, but I, I know of a whole bunch that have a whole lot more. Um, and, and I really do think I appreciate that because it does give the officer the latitude to run their company and to adjust to the situation and also adjust to your personnel. Because what you can accomplish with a company full of senior people, which you know kind of usually is set it and forget it as long as they understand, like we said, the expectation, um, but they know uh, what what they're supposed to do. If you have younger people or newer folks that don't have as much experience, then you know they are going to understand that you're going to be a little more hands on and a little more restrictive and a little more vocal, maybe. You know, um, but you know, I think that's one thing that that new officers need to keep in mind, especially when they're they're nervous about having to put their foot down for the first time, is that. You know, a week ago, a month ago, or a year ago, they were that senior firefighter or whatever, and they knew what was right and wrong, and they knew what was supposed to happen. Now that they're on the other side, the people that are riding, you know, in the back or or that are in the firehouse, they know what's right and wrong. It's just a matter of are you going to hold the line? And that once they do that once and hold that line one time, um, that's a skill that they've now learned, and they'll realize that. The personnel really did understand what they were supposed to do. They were just kind of testing the waters a little bit. And and they did actually, you know, gain a little bit of respect for the officer because now they understand the officer is going to actually hold the line and, and, and be responsible and things like that. So, so for that, you know, the expectation part, I think um, in most situations, career volunteer, um, you know, I, I think most folks know what they're supposed to do or, or they understand what the, what the standard is. Um, and it's just how much can you get out of them, you know, to, 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 to really execute and, and, and bring it forward. That's, you know, I may not have gone where you were looking to go there, Jeremy, but no, that's no, because that, that's a tremendous segue into what this is all about tonight. I mean, if you read the header on the top of this thing, it says management, let your people work. And, 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 but go ahead, Rich, go ahead. And what is the, the, 
the popular or fancy phrase for that is mission driven versus policy driven. Yeah. You know that that uh, and and a simple example of that is the policy says you'll have this kind of shirt on with this kind of emblem with this kind of this, and the mission is you want to look like a professional. So so if you're missing this collar tack or this this, that's not what's important. It's are you portraying the image of a professional? So you know we we talk about so one of the failures of new of new company supervisors is they get the rule book and they try to enforce the rules to the letter. They try to make the organization fit those rules when really we have to have rules. We have to have SOPs and we have to have things like that. But really the bigger picture is to look at it. Is, is this the mission? Is this how we want to, is this how we want to conduct ourselves? Is this in line with providing better service or safer service or more competence or whatever the case may be? I, I love that. I mean, I, I, God, I I want you to keep talking about that because I mean, that's the juxtaposition of all this, right? Is that, you know, we want our people to work confident managers, confident command staffs, confident company bosses and departments that are mission driven. I think let their people work. Yeah. You know um, it's interesting because some people don't know, like they'll say, well, mission driven, what does that mean? And they try to get the mission statement or something like that. You know, and, and sometimes there's it's not very clear, especially if they don't come from an organization that that may be uh, that that has those strong personalities that project what is expected. Um, and so for that new officer trying to figure out how to live within a mission driven culture, you know, I, I think, you know, it is important to, to understand the rules and regs and the SOPs because that's what they get tested on. Um, and then they, they have that understanding. But just like what the chief said, you know, the, the organization isn't going to get stuffed into the SOP every time just to make the SOP valid. Right. And so when you read the SOPs, you really have to have an understanding of what they mean and what the expectation is. So you have to speak to, to the officers that are senior to you and your incident commanders and find out, you know, what do the SOPs mean when we're doing this or that? And, and then also on the fire ground, you know, have those conversations beforehand and find out what the expectations are. Right. And then, so I, I call that, that's that dynamic application. So you take the static policy, you talk to your, your commanders and, and your superiors, and then you bring that understanding together. And that's what creates that mission driven culture is that, you know, when you get out on the street or, or even in the firehouse, very rarely do the situations ever fit the policy or, or the, or the reg. And so having the understanding of what the policy is, having the understanding of what your command staff expects from you allows you to make the situation a little bit easier to work through because you now have that understanding. So to me, that's, that's, you know, applying that mission driven culture, that dynamic application. I, I love that. You know, I, I think though, right. So when you're mission driven, there's a, there's, there's a, there's a lot of in between, right? I mean, there's, it's not the letter of the law. It's, it's how it, there's going to be some gray, right? And, and we, we then leave it to our bosses, our people to understand the bigger picture, the mission of the department, and the mission of the company, and they need to fall within line of that or in line with that. Um, but it leaves a some for interpretation, and sometimes interpretation can get guys jammed up. and And I understand, you know, if it goes too far, or something like that. But I'm also looking at, you know, there is a double edged sword in a department um, that maybe allows for that mission, or they say they allow for the mission driven type environment and yet then the people get rung up 
for making those uh, those decisions that might represent the mission, but not the black and white in the book because a manager or somebody of authority uh, has a stick in their ass. Thoughts? But, but, but that's where it's incumbent on people, uh, you know, of my rank. Absolutely. Talk to about make, it. To make sure that the, the company officers understand. I use the example all the time of we have an SOP about safe driving. And, and one of the things in the safe driving is that you wear your seatbelt all the time. So in a policy-driven organization, if an engine company stops in the corner and they're going to lay in, and the hydrant man maybe gets off and he wraps the hydrant and, and either he gets back on the apparatus or the, you know, maybe the nozzleman helped him and he gets back on the truck and the truck drives 200 or 300 feet down the street and somebody says, well, the guy got in the back of the rig and he never put his seatbelt back on, I'm going to write him up. <laughs> That's policy-driven. Right. But if, if I am out and about in the town and I see a company on smoke detector surveys or something like that, and both the officer and the driver don't have a seatbelt on, and maybe the two guys in the back are hanging out the back like golden retrievers, you know, with their tails, their tongues hanging out the window, <laughs> checking things out. That's also policy driven, but there's the mission. The mission is, hey, you know, you're supposed to be seated with seated and belted. Right. But but there'll always be somebody who'll say, well, you know, you saw them and that you didn't write them up, but you wrote them up. How come? So it's incumbent on, on the upper ranks to kind of pull the people aside and say, hey, look, this is what we're trying to get to is, you know, we really don't want to take these unnecessary risks, that type of thing. No, I get it. No, that's well said. I do want to say um – Whatchamacallit, uh, I just want to reiterate, Chief Awesome, I just want to reiterate to anybody in the room, we are recording this, I do have to say that. Um, also, I do have uh, somebody that wants to come up real quick and uh, say hello, and so I'm adding them to the to the conversation. Uh, Matt Paglione wants to come up and, on the stage, and uh, Matt, if you're there, brother, come on up. But uh, Chief, good points, very good points. Pags? I, yeah, babe. What's up, man? Nice. You're in. You're on. What's up, babe? Thank you. I, I just want to back up on what uh, the chief just said. Why is it that we always focus on the negatives instead of focus on the positives? It is amazing in this service how it's so, we will literally the most intricate things that we do and we will do them extremely well and not one person will say good job. But yet the moment that we screw up or F up, People are there to uh, condemn us, just as the, as the chief was saying. You know what? We should always be promoting those things that we do very well. You know why that happens a lot is because it's easy. Because because if I have in an SOP that I say take five steps and turn left, and you took three steps and went right, it's easy for me to say, hey, look right here. Chapter four, paragraph three, section two says five and left. But if you went three and right and it worked out, maybe either I don't know that that was really the right thing to do or I'm not sure. So it's a it's a much grayer area to give the compliment where it's very easy to point out the the, the deficiency. What about so so Pags brings up a really good point, right? And and I think part of uh being a good manager is knowing how to um 
how to discipline obviously when when needed and 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 the severity of it but i think a bigger part and and something that can really set the tone for the company for individuals to push themselves harder for the company and for the mission is how you can uh reward them how you can how you can um boost them up with an attaboy and how important that is um nick will you talk about that a little bit because i you know everybody's got their style everybody's got their way and and, you know, I don't care what they say in the fire service. It's always nice to get an attaboy. It's always nice to get a thumbs up from the boss um, or one of the senior guys or, or another guy in the company or another company. So maybe you could talk about that a little bit because part of management is really understanding how to manage people. And managing people is quite complex. Right. And so just to kind of go with what Matt and the chief were talking about there real quick is, you know, I think – I think we're kind of turning a corner as a fire service a little bit, or maybe in my place we are in other places we are, and I'm not really sure, but you know, it used to be where we were so hung up on the recipe, right? Well, you didn't do A, B, C, and D, you did A and B, and then you jumped right to D and, and you know, you get in trouble for that. And, and I think what, what we're kind of hopefully getting towards now is that we're more focused on the result and we're allowing the employee, the individual, the company to have the, that individual expression to go and do it the way that's best suited based on the situation. And I, I think in my department, by and large, you know, we've gotten to that point because, the you know, we do understand the fire ground is so dynamic, you know, that, that things are always changing and they're never the same. And so I hope, you know, like, you know, getting to where what Matt was saying that, you know, sometimes, you know, People are just mad. They didn't like the way you did it. They don't really care about the result, but the reality is the result is usually the most important part. Yeah, well said. Very well said. Pags, thanks you for uh, thanks for asking and hopping up and, and asking the question. Um, I want to talk about something, Nick, you mentioned before. Um, you know, there's a lot of good stuff coming out here, and I, I wrote down something here, and it says less experience requires more hands-on. Um, right. We know that this job is trending younger. Uh, we know that people are leaving at a pretty quick pace. The guys that have the experience, uh, you know, the years of experience, if you will, or the years on the job, um, and we're trending younger. And so, with being a company boss and trending younger, um, you know, do you find, you know, how how prevalent is the management style between, say? Uh, you know, uh, the company is trending younger. And so as a boss, you have to start being a little more hands-on or a little more look over the shoulder than maybe you were years ago. And I'm not saying that's your case, but I'm saying that's obviously got to be a factor in today's world of, of being in charge of a, of a company. No. Right. It's, it's striking the balance because, um, you know, we have to empower these, these folks to be good, competent, self-sufficient, safe firefighters, future officers, uh, future leaders on the fire ground, right? And so, you know, it's hard sometimes to have the patience to to remember that, you know, you really do have to slow it down a little bit. You really do have to break it down a little bit. Um, and I know, like, for me, you know, particularly there's been times where, you know, after I've gone to a call or a fire, I wasn't too proud of myself because I realized I, I lost an opportunity to really kind of slow down and, and, and take advantage of it and, and show a newer guy how to do something a little bit better or be a little bit more proficient um, instead of just basically snapping at them or whatever. Um, and, and, you know, one thing I will say is that we've, you know, with the winter, you know, fire season and all that, you know, it's been, it's picked up pretty good and we've had a pretty good run. And, and um, you know, I had a couple 
uh, fires in particular where I had um, two fires where I had one was a probie and one was a, a guy with maybe a year, year and a half on. And they were on my company and we were forced indoors in lights out conditions and they did great. They, they needed more direction, but they still did it. And the, the door got forced open and, and it was in a timely manner and it, and it made a difference. So, you know, the whole thing is that they can work at a high level. It's just we have to help them and, and be a little more attentive to how to speak to them and, and how, to, how to give them the cues. They have the desire and, and, and they're really motivated. And, and, you know, they may not have the experience, obviously, and maybe they didn't have the depth of training that, that others have had. But we just have to have that patience and, and be willing to, to, to understand that it's, they're not purposely not knowing how to do something. It's just they didn't learn it yet. For sure. Uh, I mean, you gotta, you gotta learn the job at some time and, you know, some are learning it quicker than others. You know, if you're in a, if you're in an area where fires aren't prevalent and you're not going to work on a regular basis, then it's going to take you many more years in your career to really get a good experience, you know, street worthy experience to be able to be proficient, um, you know, on, on that gut check calls when you have to make them. Uh, there's no doubt. Um, all right. So love it. Um, we're, we're talking about experience. We're talking about, you know, in my world, I think experience matters. I think, um, you know, there's, there's many ways to, I think there's more ways today to be able to learn and to make yourself a better firefighter. But I still think that the, the merit of street smart firefighting and actual experience matters. Um, as experience is trending downward for many, uh, as we're becoming a younger fire department, um, I believe wholeheartedly, and I've, I've talked about this position, and I'd really like to explore this now because this really goes to the theme of what we're doing here with management, let your people work, is as our, as our bosses are becoming, uh, moving up the line, and this could be career volunteer paid on call, it doesn't matter, right? It's across the board. Um, we're putting people in management positions that might not have the experience, say, uh, what uh, guys and girls would have had years and years ago, say Chief Thode, right? I mean, Chief Thode had a real good go. And Chief, I'd really like you to kind of speak about this. But what I believe is that as we put people up into the management positions that maybe lack the experiences, um, you know, the street smart firefighting, uh, even to the uh, Chief Thode, what you talked about before, about becoming an adult and growing up in a firehouse, being taught life skills and how to talk to people, how to manage and deal with people, different types of people, all of that. Um, I think that we're creating a uh, an environment that sometimes brings forth um, a lack of trust in their people, but I think more heart, more more so it's a lack of trust in their own experiences and skills, which leads them to become uh, more of a uh, micromanager. And I hate that term, but I don't know what else to say in, in place of micromanaging. But um, I think that when an officer is uh, lacking confidence in their own skills and abilities, it reflects dramatically on how they manage. What are your thoughts, Chief? That That is exactly right. Is if, if you don't have confidence in your abilities – a lot of times you won't have confidence in or confidence in, in your people's abilities. One of the things I learned a long time ago was, you know, there's a lot of the old expression, you know, there's 10 ways to skin a cat is that just because somebody isn't doing it exactly how I would do it, it doesn't mean they're doing it wrong. And, and I think that uh, sometimes supervisors and company officers will jump right in to correct somebody instead of kind of let it see, let it, how it goes 
and see how they do it. And then maybe after say, you know, that's interesting. You did that that way. Maybe a, you learn and maybe that guy had a better way or maybe your way is better, but, but to kind of let it play out and, and see what happens instead of jumping in and correcting right away. Um, but, but, but again, that, that comes with maturity and that comes with experience and, and I don't mean just a fire experience. It's just life experience. I, I love that. I mean, I think that's important. Nick, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I'm, you know, kind of barely middle management here. So, uh, but I, I do agree. Um, you know, it's no fun when you think you have it all figured out and you, and you have a plan. And the next thing you know, somebody's telling you, you know, exactly micromanaging and, and, you know, um, again, you know, I, I believe that it set the expectation and I will get you what you need. You don't have to tell me how to do it because I'm the one best suited to figure out the best way. Cause I'm in it at the moment. Um, so, so yeah, you, you know, you have to empower your folks and, and let them go. And then as a supervisor, you need to have that patience and it's very hard, especially if you've always had a high uh, level of expectation for yourself. Um, and, and so you just really want to give them the room to let them grow. And it's, it's hard, um, to see it when you're standing on the other side. Um, but it's important because, uh, you know, nobody came out of the box that was, you know, the perfect firefighter and did it all right. And so it's important to, to create that environment where you allow those folks to have that room to, to learn and grow and make mistakes and, and, and let them learn from them. So yeah, it's difficult, but, but it's important. How do we, I think that's a, I just want to jump in. I yeah. think that's a really good point. Nick is that, we have to understand, especially for people who are coming up from the management aspect of this whole let your people work, that mistakes are okay. And there is always a lesson in a mistake. There's a lesson in failure. And I think, you know, when it comes to new officers coming online, they're so worried about making a mistake that that's where that micromanagement that Jeremy kind of talks about comes on because they don't either they didn't have the experience to do you know, to, to build up that skill set as a firefighter and now they're in, in charge. But, like, we have to start, and, and Pag's kind of hit on it before, too. Like, mistakes are okay. We don't need to land-base uh, land people for um, for those mistakes, and they're allowed to make them. I mean, you, I mean, what do you guys think of that? Because I, I think there's so much pressure on, on folks. They get it all up in their head that they have to be perfect, and, it, and we know this is an imperfect environment we uh, work in. Well, you know, I'll speak as the supervisor to the to the firefighter, that new firefighter. So anytime I get uh, a new rookie rotating through or even if it's just a new firefighter that I've not worked with before, I always try to, you know, catch them in the beginning of the shift, make sure they've gone over the apparatus, explain, you know, have them explain to me what they think their role is. And then we work it out that way, make sure they understand the radio's designation. But I always tell them, look, your job uh, today is to make me to tell you to stop. You should always be working. If you're standing still and you don't know what to do, then you should ask. But if you have an assignment, just go and do it. If I don't want you to do it, I'll tell you to stop. But, you know, you want to create that that self-starting, that initiative. Um, and and I, I found that, like, a lot of times they're afraid to start because they were always told, don't do anything until I tell you. And that's that's really not, at least for me, the, the environment that I, I want to see them brought up in. I, and I, and, ahead, and from my from my level, I end up by less about the the tactics of of the firefighter and the tools. It's more about talking to lieutenants, captains, assistant chiefs about saying, you know, when they I don't want to say a personnel issue that results in discipline, but just some sort of personnel matter or 
you know, maybe they got snarky on the radio or, or, you know, got snarky with an email about getting a new refrigerator or whatever the case may be about kind of pulling them in on that and saying, you know, how'd that work out for you? And, and do you, and showing them where they fit in the organization and, and, and why that really probably wasn't the most appropriate way to get things done. And so I've transitioned in my role from how to hold the nozzle or how to force the door to that bigger stuff that they need to learn the other skills they need to learn as successful captains and assistant chiefs. Yeah. But all that stuff trickles down. No chief. I mean, you know, when Oh, you, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, when you, when you set the tone for those type of items, that will then set the tone with that officer on how he handles his company. No, that absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, what, what do we do? I mean, you know, what, what do we do if we're, if we're trending younger and we hit on a bunch of great things here, but like, what are some advice that we could give to an officer that, uh, you know, Rob brings up, it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to ask questions. Um, you know, uh, Nick, you bring up, you know, when you talk to one of your back step guys and you tell them flat out, like, Hey, your job's to work. I'm going to let you know when, uh, when, to, when to stop, but until then go do your job. The thing is though, Nick, is that you're a manager that lets his people work. Right. You have you have trust and belief in your own experiences and knowledge on the fire ground that embolden you to allow your company to work. And so, you know, I'm looking at this thinking, okay, what about that boss that uh, doesn't let his people work or he is the guy, you know, you I'm rambling, but I'm my my brain's going 100 miles an hour because we're setting them up for asking for permission. Right. Um, You know, we have a we. I, I find so often, even with my own kids, if you tell them what to do, they do it and they do it great. But if I don't tell them what to do, there's there's sometimes they look at me like um, they're waiting for something to be told to do, and we're waiting to be told how to behave or how to act or how to how to uh, uh, you know how to do the job. And um, and how do how do we tell a young boss? How do we teach these younger guys with a little less experience on how to manage their people? How how does that happen? Um, you know, it's, it's tough because I think everybody's trying to figure out their management style and it, and it's easy from the back step to say, Oh, I would do it this way. I would do it that yeah. way until you're actually responsible for it all. Yeah. And then, you know, because it's a new, um, you know, feeling or a new level of discomfort, um, it's hard to let go because you know, you're responsible for it. And I think we, we need to create a very, uh, a better atmosphere within our departments that allows officers to understand that nobody expects them to be perfect just because they pass the test. Um, you know, empower the people to, to do do good. One of the best things I learned from my, my first captain when I got on, on that engine company was just like similar to what Chief Thode was saying. I, I was putting in for things and trying to move things on the rig and, and I was constantly asking him for permission. And finally he said, look, I, you don't need my permission. Just go and do good things. Love that. But as simple as that sounds, that level of empowerment yeah. really allowed me to, to have the confidence to go and do the things that I thought were good. And then they weren't always good because he would come and say, hey, that thing, just like what the chief talked about. Hey, that thing that you, you did the other day, not so good. Yeah, All right. So and then good. I apologized. A little bit of humility goes a long way and you own it and, and then you move on. Um, you know, it, it's just tough, you know, you know, to have a company that that is self-sufficient, that that likes to come to work, that does good work, that's proud of the work they do. That doesn't happen 
starting when the bell hits, you know, you have to work it and nurture it and, and you have to live the example and, and hold them accountable, hold yourself even more accountable. Right. And, and all that stuff, you know? Yeah, for sure. Chief, let me ask you, um, you know, and Jeremy. yeah, go ahead, Matt. Hey buddy. Um, if I can say something real quick, go ahead. our job, our job is the rig. Every day we go to work, we have to ensure that every component of the rig is up to our specifications. I, I cannot, I cannot, it, it's, that's how it should be, right? Every day that we go to work, that's how it should be, right? For sure, right? That's the, that's the company's. That's it. That's the, that's, that's the. It. That's actual. your pride in your company right there. Correct. You have to make sure when you go in, when you're checking, you got to check not just the SCBAs, not just the masks. It, it has to be every component of what you are doing has down to the down to every specification of that. That is your pride in your company, and that's what we're doing. Yeah, and and it takes it takes a company discipline, which comes from the top, right? It takes a company discipline to understand the the means of the day, how the day flows, what the expectations are, right? And that all stems from leadership and management, right? And years of of tried and true methodology. And so, you know, Chief, what I was going to ask you was, um, you know, we we kind of brushed on it before, but I'd like to hear maybe a story or two. But was there one or two people that you looked up to throughout your thirty four year career that you were like, you know, this guy walks this line, and I, you know, and that really stands out to me, or you know, were there were there influences that you had, specific influences you had that really shaped, you know, not just the the adult aspect of firefighting, but also the hands on and how to conduct business as a manager. Yeah. Um, just before we get there, a, yeah. a comment on what Matt Matt yeah, said. Yeah, do it, do it, please. It, it it it's not only the rig; it's the people on the rig. You can have the best truck and the the most checked out equipment and and the best equipment. But you got to make sure that you're, you know, in a career department or whatnot, as far as roll call in the morning, making sure that your people are in the right place mentally and physically um, to to get the job done uh, before we even get started. But but going back to what you said about is there somebody early on in my career on the rescue? um, There's five of us. We have an officer and four and four of us were under 30 years old. We all had single None of us were married. None of us had kids. Uh, we were going to fires every day, and we were wild men. We were crazy. We had a, an older lieutenant, uh, Lieutenant George Bryant. I actually just talked to him today, but but he uh, he was very he was very good about just letting us do what we needed to do, and and kind of rein us in when we needed to be reined in. And every once in a while, calls in the office and 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 really clip our ears back. But he was very, very good about not stifling us, but just, you know, again, like I said before, Hey, how'd that work out for you? You know, we would get kind of cocky and, and yell at an engine company or try to show up a truck and things went bad on the fire ground. And later on he'd pull us back in and go, how do you think that went? You know, how do you think those guys are talking about you? How do you think that? And, and, again, putting the perspective of that adult maturity on it really helped us. We knew what we were doing. We knew tactically we were solid, 
but putting that perspective on it really, really changed all four of us, uh, changed our, our, our whole way we did business. And I love that because that's that maturity you speak of, right? Like, you know, right. you don't, you don't see, you know, I remember as a, a, I was, I was a young officer and I remember, I mean, it was, uh, you know, I, I thought I had all the answers and I, uh, and I'm a different man today than I was back in those days because I've matured and your, your points of view change and, um, you know, and, and the politics of it all, how to play that game. Um, I think it's very hard to teach people how to play the game. And I don't, I don't mean that in a bad way when I say play the game, but we all know that there's ways to uh, go about business and how to conduct business and, and so on. And, uh, and so, you know, that's, I, I'll give you, I'll give you a simple thing that George used to, George used to always say to us is he would, you know, cause we were the squad. So we would kind of get up there first and the engine company would be coming up behind us and whatnot. And we would say, you know, pass the lineup, pass the nozzle up or grab the nozzle. And he always used to pull us back later and he'd say, don't grab the nozzle, grab the nozzleman. Nice. And so that if, so that if we were more experienced and we were in a good position, he would always say, don't reach back and take the, take the pipe, you know, take the guy by the shoulder here, come on up here, engine 10. And, and you would take the firefighter, especially the newer firefighters that were behind us. And you would get them in there and you would leave them dead. If their company officer wasn't going to do it, you as the senior person, particularly a senior man on the rescue company would be the one to do that. So he always used to say, don't grab the nozzle, grab the nozzle. Man. And that's something we still struggle with today. <laughs> don't mind a pause i'm writing that down chief i got you got a couple quotes in my book tonight this is uh <laughs> don't grab the nozzle grab the nozzle man and the other one is the company i'm on is the best company in the city i mean that's and don't mistake nick what's my other one don't mistake enthusiasm for confidence yeah ne- never uh, mistake enthusiasm for ability yeah. right i'm writing that one down too well talk okay so talk about so here's here's what i love and I'm, i don't want to put you guys in a weird spot obviously i mean you know you, you're both on a line. I'm sure guys are listening, right? All that. But you guys have a very dynamic relationship too, Um, you know? And, uh, and so how for both you even to be here tonight speaks volumes, right? Cause a lot of guys, oh, I don't know what my chief's going to be there, you know, this and that, like that whole conversation. Right. But I, knowing both of you and knowing the personalities and, and um, how you guys love and care for the job and how you love, absolutely love working in the city of Bridgeport and for the people there and for your, for your firefighters, I mean, all of it. Um, dynamic, you know, it's it's a dynamic relationship. And and for your company bosses to have a chief of department that supports them and the bosses support the chief, um, I know it's not all roses all the time, but, you know, that's a big aspect of management too, right, is those relationships and how important they are. Well, I'll go first, Nick. So I was a lieutenant in training when Nick was hired. I taught his rookie class. Oh, wow. And, okay. And, cool. And, and during class, you know, there's times where, you know, guys are throwing ladders or whatnot. You were kind of standing off in your side and I would be standing next to him. We would talk about things and I could tell then that Nick thought very globally. He, he never just saw the small picture. He always saw the big picture. And then he got assigned to my shift at headquarters and then we kind of, we, we, we kind of came up together. And, and the other thing is I'm not exactly the most warm and fuzzy guy in the firehouse and either is Nick. So, <laughs> so, we, so we always kind of had that going together, but, but, um, the thing that I always recognized in him and the, one of the reasons why he and I get along so well is, or, or that I respect him so much is that 
as a firefighter, as a lieutenant, and as a captain, he's always seen the bigger picture. You know, very often firefighters and company officers kind of get uh, they get pigeonholed into what's going on on their shift and their company today. And and Nick has always had the ability to to see bigger. So as I got higher in the ranks, uh, he was always very supportive and and almost a, a sounding board for me because I knew he got it. I knew he saw the the picture that I had to see as assistant chief or deputy chief or chief. Which, you know, you, I I don't know, Nick, if you want to hop in on any of that. Yeah. yeah, Um, Go ahead. That's, that's interesting. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, You know, it's, it's funny because I remember when I first came on and I was in the Academy and uh, our Academy was in a, a very hot summer and it was at the end of the day and we were doing the silly, um, smooth bump, bump back to the pump drill. And I, I, I don't know if I was having a meltdown inside, uh, but I, I couldn't get it. And I know that at the time, Lieutenant Thode was not happy to be, uh, teaching a bunch of rookies. And I remember him using some colorful phrases about you better figure this out, Esposito, or you better hope that podunk fire department you came from is going to take you back. You know, <laughs> so um, <laughs> I don't think that was—I don't think that was me. I, I didn't say that. <laughs> oh, it was definitely you. Yeah. I think it was Bobby. I think it was Bobby Pogo or Tommy. Uh, oh, Pogo, yeah, Tommy Pogo Tommy. wouldn't say anything. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then there was another time. It wasn't me, but I got to watch it when he threatened to throw a guy off a roof. But that's that's a story for another day. Um, but. Yeah, you know, I, I appreciate all that. And, and um, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, honestly, for me, I feel like I'm playing with house money because I came from a small department that wasn't going a lot of fires and I, and I got on at a good time. And I and I think I just got lucky that I got on a good shift with good senior firefighters, some good officers. And, and, and um, you know, they really just kind of allowed me to go and do stuff. And, and yeah, I would run my mouth and I think I still do. And it gets me in trouble. Um, and, you know, it's something I'm working on, but, you know, it is that environment that I think I'm still working on that. Yeah. So it's, 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 I think it's, it's just having that environment where you know that, that people have your back and you're allowed to, to kind of learn and grow and push and, and make those mistakes. And, uh, it's, it's kind of gotten me this far. Um, you know, I, I think for me, a lot of it was my upbringing, you know, watching my dad a lot, you know, and I think because of the way he carried himself that, you know, gave me that, you know, bigger awareness for things and kind of stand back a little bit. And and I think being in Bridgeport really has allowed me to, to kind of work on that. And, uh, so it's, it's worked out well for me and I, I've enjoyed it, but I, I also do believe that, um, there's a lot of good things going on around me and I'm, and I just kind of feel like I've been kind of caught up in the, in the wake a little bit. And so, um, you know, the environment that chief thought is set up for everybody, in my opinion, I know this is going to sound like I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, but you know, I I really do think he, he does set up the environment and he always has for allow people to to do good work and, and, and take those chances and learn. So, you know, I've uh, always tried to take advantage of that. That's nicely said, Nick. Uh, take take Friday off. That's fine. All right, thank you. Thanks. I will. Oh, geez, that's a shift. I'm not working anyway. Oh, what a shame. That's fantastic. <laughs> I, and and that's the that's the <clears throat> dynamic here. But I, I, Nick, you really summed up tonight because you know, and that's why um, when you and I talked about doing this, and and we, you know, and and Chief Thode came up as as another person to hop in. I said it'd be perfect. <clears throat> it's the right dynamic. And and. You know, Chief Thode is one that lets his people work. And when he has good managers and people below him, 
he's absolutely going to do everything in his power. And Chief, I'm not speaking for you, but I, I'm speaking in what I can see from the outside looking in is that when you have the right people that are mission-driven below you, you're going to do everything you can to empower them. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's the best best thing going. So you mentioned you mentioned something before, too. You talked about uh, how the view changes um, as you climb. And I, I'd, I'd love to talk about that for a little bit because, you know, it's uh, preparing the officer, uh, preparing from firefighter to the company officer and through the command staff, um, you know, the view does change. And, you know, sometimes people don't prepare themselves for that um, and, and they struggle. With so it. go ahead. So so a firefighter is worried about a slice of pizza. A lieutenant or a captain is worried about the pie. The assistant chief, like the shift commander, is worried about the whole store, but only on the night that he's working in the store. And then when you get up upstairs, our administrative officer on the third floor, you get up to the third floor, you're worried about the store 24 hours a day, where the dough is coming, how are we getting the pizza out, where, the whole thing. So it's a very, as you, as you progress, you, you take a bigger and bigger view. But I always like to use that pizza analogy of of as you as you move up the ranks, how things progress. Is that yours? Of course, it's mine. That's beautiful. I, I, love, I, mean, I just <laughs> I just put I just wrote it in my notes. I like got pizza analogy with a big circle around it. I that's I mean that's a really good way to put it. Um, and and so people have to prepare themselves for those positions. If they're testing to get into those positions, they have to pre- mentally. Uh, prepare themselves for that type of uh, that type of view as you climb that mountain, if you will, or as you well, like, climb the corporate as, ladder in the pizza shop. As I said before, one of the things we're we're right in the middle of it right now. We have twenty of our, you know, like FDNY's flips, but a much tamer version. But we have twenty of our either new lieutenants or guys that are about to make lieutenant in training this week. And one of the things that we do is, uh, for example, tomorrow. Then in small groups, they're going to come up to the administration and sit with the admin captain and see, hey, when I put in a rec for repairs, where's it go? Yeah. And and why why do some things get fixed in a day and some things get fixed in a month? And and kind of explain how that works and the the you know I hate to sound like a, an administrator, but you know how the budget is and you know they don't have to get in the weeds with it, but just to kind of get a view of wow, there's there's a lot more. You know, we tell guys all the time make note of things and let us know when things are going on. And they're like, but that's such a minor thing. And we're like, yeah, but if that minor thing is happening on three of the shifts and seven of the stations, you think it's a minor thing, but we see it 15 times. And we're like, wow, that's a, that's a bigger issue than we thought. So again, you, you, you have a micro view at your level and we have a much more macro view yeah. and, and we're trying to just make sure that the, the lower supervisors understand that. Outstanding. That's cool. I mean, flip school, right? Uh, Running an officer academy for your own department. So important. Um, How many departments don't do that? How many departments promote and put people in the front seat and they have no coaching, no type of uh, direction um, and so on. I think that's very prevalent. Um, Not every department is, is uh, empowering their newly appointed officers uh, with some type of program or support. So. Right. And I think, I mean, you could even do that in the volunteers. That's sure. easy to do in the volunteers. You know, the, 
the next drill night after elections about taking your, you know, your newly elected engineers and lieutenants and whatnot. And, you know, the chief or the assistant chief or whatever should have them in and say, okay, you know, this is how we get things fixed. This is why we get things fixed. This is how it works. Just to show there's a much bigger, you're a small piece of a big pie. I love it. You can tell I haven't had dinner yet. I keep bringing up food. and Yeah, everything. well, I'm going to, listen, we've been going for about an hour and 10 <laughs> minutes. So um, I'd love to, uh, you know, there's been a lot of people that have stayed on the whole time listening. And I would love to ask anyone to come up. I know that I know a lot of the faces in the crowd and I know there are all a lot of good bosses and company officers and, and so on in this crowd. But I would love to have anyone, uh, if they're interested, you know, just hit the button on the bottom, raise your hand. I'd love to have you come up and just either throw out a thought or a question uh, Nick and Chief Thode have just uh, an incredible uh, wealth of knowledge and a, a great relationship, so a lot of good information. I'm going to bring up um, Mickey, uh, another one of another one that I just highly, highly regard. Um, Mickey, I got you coming up, pal. We'd love to have you up. I don't know if you're there. There you go. Mickey, you there? Yeah, I'm here. You hear me? Yeah, brother. Yeah. Thanks, man. I appreciate you uh, willing to speak. Yeah, Jeremy, thanks for having me on. Nick, good to see you, Rob. And uh, Chief, pleasure to uh, be in a discussion with you. I'm truly honored. Um, you know, we always talk about the role of the senior man. I know, Jeremy, that's something you, you constantly sure. uh, bring up. And um, we're also talking about how the job is young on both ends, young officers, young firefighters, and the progression. But the progression that doesn't really change is the senior man, because you get to a certain point and it's like a fine wine. You grow with age, you get better with time. And the senior man truly is the leadership within a company. And his sole purpose is to make that officer look tremendous wherever they go, from getting to meal, to multiple alarms, to the nuisance runs where they have to interact with the public. The officer is front and center, but the senior man is the backbone of the company. And every time the officer comes back, he bounces the idea off the senior man. The senior man gives his advice. So that role of senior man comes up often and how it's a dying breed. But like I said, being a fine wine, it may be a dying breed, but it's a breed that's always going to be there. It's just a matter of understanding where you fit in in the process of the company. Um, so for any future officers that are young officers that are coming onto the job, don't be afraid to go to the senior man because he's willing and able and is always going to make his company look like the best company in the city. You just have to accept that. And sometimes it's humbling when you studied your ass off to get into a position, but you have to rely on the senior man to make the decision. No, oh, I love that. And I, and that's confident confidence in yourself. You know, um, I, I know that, you know, some departments really have a, uh, incredible senior man dynamic where it is an actual position in the house, if you will. Um, you know, some departments are much more traditional in that sense than, than others. And I think some departments lack that and, and they don't regard it as much as say Mickey, you do, or I do, or maybe the, the other guys up here, I don't want to speak for them, but I agree with you. I mean, it, it is such an important position. Um, I, I do think that the face of the senior man is changing a little bit. Um, and I know, as you said, it only gets better with time and it refines with time. Um, and, and so on. But understanding that mission uh, does fit into the management, uh, the management of the company, for sure. So, Chief or, or, or Cap, anything on that that uh, you'd like? I mean, Mickey brings up some very good points there. 
Yeah, you know, um, you know, my first experience when I got promoted, like I said, and, you know, some of what the chief said about his experience. But, you know, I went to the, the senior man because he and I actually rode backwards on an engine years prior, you know, and I and I told him, hey, I'm, I'm going to lean on you because, you know, you've seen a lot more than I have and this and that. You know, you know, just understand it's important. And, you know, I'm responsible for the company, but I do respect, you know, your experience and your position within the company. And, and you know, you empower them. You know, I'm not saying kiss their ass at all, but it's important that you show them the respect that they deserve. And then also, too, um, that new officer should really try to nurture that relationship within the firehouse as best they can. Because just like what Mickey said, you know, and, and today with, you know, the way things are, things are moving so fast and, and everybody's, you know, much more transparent about admin stuff. You know, the, the new folks, the younger folks have to understand the, the, the formal and the informal authority within the firehouse and, and that the, the senior firefighter will be respected, you know, and I think there's value there. Yeah, I think I think exactly what Nick said, that that it's important for a new officer to be confident enough and, and mature enough again to allow that person to, to fit that role and to use them as, as a, not as a tool, but to use them as a crutch to kind of help them along uh, instead of seeing them as a threat, which I think some, some newer officers that maybe are not as confident in their skills uh, may see a helpful senior person as a, uh, as a threat. All good points, Mickey. Thank you, brother. I appreciate the uh, the willingness to talk, and and I know I know where you stay on this position, and uh, I just I love it, and I value you. So thank you, brother. Awesome. Anyone else want to hop up? Got a question? Because if not, we're gonna start to wrap. Um, and as we wrap, I just want to say, you know, tonight's been awesome. Um, you know, Chief Thode, it's it's just uh, we don't get to connect enough anymore. Uh, Nick, man, always a pleasure, of course. You never get off 95 when you're driving through. I never see any headers when I'm coming through, you know? I mean, I'm, I was always, I'm always looking, but, uh, you know. Because we I put them out too fast. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? Good for you. That's a chief that loves his people right there. They're putting the fires out fast. I love it. I absolutely love it. But um, I do want to say this, you know, in regards to management and the fire service, you know, I know – you guys definitely follow the mantra of, you know, trust in your people and let your people work. Um, any last thoughts or ideas on management as a whole as, as 2021 is here uh, compared to the, you know, uh, where we've come or how the progression is working? Um, I'd love to just get maybe a little back and forth insight real quick before, uh, before we sign out of here. Just maybe some last thoughts. Uh, Chief, would you mind? I think that um... – you know, we were the first ones to talk about this newer generation of everybody gets a trophy. And but but as new supervisors, we tend to feed right into that. So I think that the you can't be afraid to be the boss. You can't be afraid to be the designated adult. Um, Nick's heard me say this before that anybody that's ever had a teenager, you know, you, you often you have to make a decision and sometimes they don't like you for it there and then your hope is that down the road either between you teaching them or just through natural progression they realize hey i you did that for my betterment so i i think that to to we can't fall subject to that everybody gets a, a trophy you still have to be the boss without being a jerk about it 
<laughs> no, I get it. I, I, I'm with you 100%, man. I, I really am, Chief, for sure. Uh, Cap, anything? Last last uh, closing words, thoughts, ideas, insights? Yeah, you know, um, we talked about a lot of concepts, and I think folks might think that, um, you know, and look, I love where I work, and I love the people that I work with, but, it, you know, it's not always rock'em, sock'em, the best place in the world. You know, um, it's not the fantasy fire department, right? right. And, and there really is no fire department like that. I don't really care where you are. And so the important thing is that any of these things that we're talking about takes work and effort and, and it just doesn't happen. And if it does, that means you're just kind of riding it out and, and you really should, should put that effort in. We have a deputy chief. And one of the first things that he had had told us when he had gotten into the position, cause he was one of the first outsiders was, um, you know, if you're not uncomfortable, then you're not going to grow. And, and I really do believe that that's, you know, a very valid point and it's the truth. And, and the more I thought about it, he's, he's spot on. So, you know, if you don't have that environment in your fire department, go find it. You know, there's, there's people out on the inter- internet, you know, mentors can just be people that, that, you know, you like what they're doing when, you know, wherever they are. So it, it, if you're not in that positive environment, that great environment, don't get discouraged. Just keep working for it. I love that, man. Good words. And, and, and I believe that wholeheartedly. Um, and I, I support both you and, and your mission and, uh, and what you guys had to say tonight. Um, I value both of you very much. Anyone else in the crowd wants to come up? If not, we're going we're gonna to wrap. Um, Jeremy? Yeah. I just want to touch on that. I think one of the things that I really took away from Chief Thode and, and, and Nick tonight was that they really exemplify what servant leadership is because they're not worried in that traditional role of leadership they're really like when we look back at like my own perception of the day we spent in Bridgeport and then having the, both the podcast with both of them, they're really trying to elevate everybody around them. And I think that's, sure. you know, that is truly what servant leadership is. And I almost feel like that's one of the things that are, that we're really, you know, on the long list of things that we're missing in, in officer development is that servant leadership, because it really, if you start looking at that mantra, you can start eliminating a lot of problems because, uh, it just, it works. And, and they're great examples of that. So thank you to both of you for being a good example on, on that. Well, I think probably appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, Nick, you said something too, with to which uh, your deputy chief said, if you're not uncomfortable, right, you're not growing. And, and I think that is just so important that you continually have to push yourself to be better. Um, you got to challenge yourself. You got to give yourself some challenges and you need to push yourself to make yourself better because when you're better, everything around you is better. And um, and I think too often we're not doing that and people aren't challenging themselves enough. We get comfortable and complacent, and that's where things tend to drip and die. And uh, and so, you know, way to, way to sum that up, and, and I will say that personal growth leads to excellence and, uh, and, and so on. So, fellas, thank you. Chief Thode, I... Greatly appreciate you, and I thank you for being on tonight. And uh, Captain Nick Esposito, thank you, brother. I value both you as very good friends. Robert, as always, uh, love you, pal. Thanks for being here tonight. And to everybody that tuned in tonight in the room, uh, I value all of you for taking the time out of your day and uh, checking out Clubhouse and what we're doing here. Uh, spread the word. Share the share the friends, uh, the invites, and get more people on this platform because tonight you had two stellar uh, brothers in the fire service that had a message to share tonight and I thought it went very well and you know a lot of people missed out on some great nuggets here tonight and so spread the word 
you have the ability to come up on stage and ask these gentlemen a question. And that's what this platform is all about. And that's how we spread the word and we keep the fire service good. So uh, to everybody listening, thank you, Chief Thode. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you being here. Thanks, Jeremy. Good seeing you, bud. You too, Rep. And Nick, thank you as always. Uh, I appreciate you for being here. And uh, to everybody listening, thank you guys. And uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. So thanks for checking in. And uh, the room will now be closed in just a few minutes. So thanks, everyone. Guys, thanks for tuning in to this week's Clubhouse. Uh, what an incredible episode. Chief Rich Thode and Captain Nick Esposito out of the Bridgeport, Connecticut Fire Department. An incredible uh, dynamic between a chief of department and a captain uh, of the rescue company there in a very busy city. Um, and uh, having them on tonight was just a, a, a big highlight for myself. Uh, I value them as two great friends and incredible leaders in the uh American Fire Service. And so thanks for tuning in. Be sure to check out the Clubhouse app. Uh, we're trying some different types of content on there and trying to bring forth uh, a good message on a platform that allows you to be interactive with our guests. And um, and so that's why we're pushing it. So if you don't, if you have an iPhone, it's for iOS systems only. Uh, but if you have an iPhone uh, and you're looking for an invite, reach out, DM National Fire Radio. We'll send you whatever invites we have from the platform uh, to get you on and to uh, check it out. So thanks for tuning in this week and uh, a lot more to come. We appreciate your support. Jeremy, National Fire Radio. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in this week and listening to another episode on the National Fire Radio podcast channels. We truly appreciate the support. We thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to listen to our interviews, our roundtables, our discussions. It means the world. Like, share, leave a comment. The more we engage, the more we can grow and push the word out and keep making this job better.